you've been out there for quite a while now, right? Like, was it 13 years you said? Yeah, 13. So we moved out here in 2010. Okay. Um, and yeah, at the time it was just, I mean, literally like we want to live in the mountains. Uh, we want to live in Europe. Uh, my wife is from Dublin originally. And so it was like, okay, we're going to go somewhere in Europe. And um, we kind of just went, okay, here's the arc of the Alps. Like, what do we know of in this area? Right. And we did all this research <laughs> and we had like a big spreadsheet and we had like five or six different places. And, and then we were like, all right, we're going to go for our right. two week, you know, American holidays to go do a, you know, reconnaissance type thing. And we came here first. And mm-hmm. we just didn't go to anywhere else. We were just like, nope, this is oh, it. Wow. <laughs> we're done. And it sounds like a lot of it was the scenery or kind of the the goal to be in the mountains. But like, did you find community there? Like, did you find other people, your same interests or families, same ages or something? Yeah, actually. And and to be honest, like, I don't think if we had not found that, we wouldn't be here um, because it is like an amazing place to live. But uh, without having that community and like having friends and especially not having any of, you know, the rest of our families here, um, it meant that we had to, sort of had to build our own surrogate family. Um, and so, right. yeah, just, I mean, very luckily, we met a ton of people who are into lots of, you know, similar things. And, uh, you know, ends up we've got kind of four or five different families around here that we basically spend most of our time with and you know between skiing in the winter and you know hiking and running and climbing and a couple of them do a lot of kite surfing and stuff so um yeah it's good are they also mostly transplants or are there some locals or no it's almost all locals actually uh there are very few transplants here like there's very few um you know, any sort of expats. Uh, there's me, my wife, uh, one other of our like real close group is actually Irish as well, but married to a local guy. Mm-hmm. And then like maybe, uh, maybe one handful of other people there, but it's not so many. Do you, are you kind of like this outsider kind of weirdo with all these like strange ideas you collected on the internet and they're kind of like living definitely more... <laughs> like how, definitely how does that work like do they, are they curious about it or they're just like oh that's that crazy jeff guy anyway he's good uh, <laughs> i think most people are curious i mean they're curious straight off the bat because it's like wait you are american but you moved here what are you doing? Like everybody goes the other direction. Like no one gets it. They're just like, why would you want to live here? Um, and then once they kind of, okay, okay. You like to ski. Okay. I guess this makes a little bit of sense. And they're like, well, what do you right. do for work? And I'm like, oh, I work in my attic on the internet. And they're like, oh no, here we go. <laughs> what, um, what do they so, do for work? Are they like involved in like the ski industry or something or? Uh, it's like various things. I think, you know, one of the things that's benefits this area a ton is that we're really close to the Swiss border. Um, and so St. Moritz is about an hour away. And so a lot of people around this area work in the hospitality industry of one shape mm-hmm. or form. Um, so I've got a good friend who like runs an HR department at one of the five-star hotels up there and mm-hmm. a couple other people that actually are like electricians or stuff that work in the, you know, industry up there. But the benefit for them is salaries in Switzerland are way better. And there's a, uh, a border worker thing called the Frontal uh, and when you're a frontaliero, you don't pay tax in Italy. Mm. Um, and so they end up making way better salaries and paying way less tax than right. you know their counterparts in Italy. And so it's a really good deal. You know, everybody's kind of much better off here than in a lot of you know other places in Italy. Right, right. And then do you talk to them at all about Nostra? Like, do you get to that? 
level of detail? Yes. Like, do they know what Lister is? Do they know? <laughs> any uh, I don't think anybody knows about Lister yet, but like, I, I mean, yeah, like my, my two closest uh, friends, like we talk about all this stuff and, and they're like super into it. And, you know, I've orange peeled both of them. And, uh, you know, I think they kind of are like, whatever you say, Jeff, like you just tell us what to do. We're, we're, we're probably going to do it. Like we get it. Like you're, that's your world. And, uh, you know, drag us along right. wherever you, wherever it makes sense. Um, you know, I, I don't like people just aren't really on tons of social media and stuff here. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's, there is kind of a disconnect. And, and I noticed this when we moved to Italy as well. Like it kind of has always felt like it's about 10 years behind a lot of the rest of the, you know, world in terms of, and mostly in terms of like the internet stuff. Right. Um, so I remember mm-hmm. like we moved here, there was no Amazon, there was no, like, it was very hard to get stuff, you know, delivered online right. and things like that. Um, and that's like all slowly come in, you know, the quality of the internet's gone up a ton since we've been here. Um, but it's still like, it's behind, right? Like you go to Miami mm-hmm. or San Francisco or, you know, London and you're like, okay, yeah, this is, this is what I'm used to. And then you come back home and I'm like, okay, yep. Back to normal. Um, right. Does yeah. that get frustrating or is that like you're accustomed to it now? You've been there long enough and you kind of know that that's yeah. the, real, the real way it should be for you. Yeah. Like I, I'm accustomed to it. Like it's like the, you know, all the shops shutting you know, like for three hours in the middle of the day, like at the beginning, it's really annoying. And then you just get used to it and you don't think about it anymore. And you know, you look down and you're like, Oh, it's 1230. I missed the shop. I'm going to have to wait till three. Um, <laughs> but it, you stop being annoyed by it. Um, so yeah, like I, I don't, you know, and like one now Amazon's amazing in Italy. So like that's, that's kind of not a problem. And the internet's gotten really good. Even so that's not a problem. You can get stuff. Like, I mean, within a few overnight. days or yeah, yeah. Like oh, wow. sometimes it's overnight, like it's very quick. Um, and I, you know, we are benefited from the fact like we're quite close to Milan. We're only an hour and a quarter, an hour and a half from Milan. Um, oh, so yeah. Okay. yeah, we've got kind of the major, you know, infrastructure of Italy's kind of industrial hub pretty close. Um, so yeah, like we're the end of the line, but we're still close enough that, you know, that line reaches us on a daily basis. Easy. Right. Right. Cool. And then you mentioned Bitcoin, you sort of orange pilled these people. Do they, um, you know, what is the, are there sort of like government questions or kind of currency questions, or is there any of that stuff top of mind locally in Italy or maybe across the European Union or how do you, would you characterize that stuff? Yeah. And I, I wonder all the Italians that will listen to this will probably give out to me later, but I'll, I'll go ahead and muck through this one. Um, so my, mm. uh, kind of experience with it and my kind of feeling, um, from Italians is that like in general, Italy, so Italy has been a country for a little over 150 years. They've had an absurd number of different governments in those 150 years. Um, they tend to switch governments, um, on procedural basis on a really regular basis. And so it's kind of this like almost running joke that, um, you know, if you don't like it, just wait a little bit. They're not going to be able to get anything done anyways, because they're going to be in gridlock. And so right. whatever, it's not that big <laughs> of a deal. Um, I mean, they're politicians like Berlusconi, like totally scandalous. Like it's, I mean, every part of the Italian political system is a, is a joke. Like, uh, it's a very, very big legislative branch. Um, and so because of that, there's like, it's just very chaotic. Um, and so I think like, most Italians just kind of put it out of mind almost. Um, you know, I think like the, the Bitcoin question from, you know, a tax and like usage perspective is a little bit, it's, it's actually a little bit more permissive than some other places in Europe. I feel like, um, Italians mm-hmm. are still very into cash. Um, and actually like Italy's prime minister right now is like pushing back on the EU to, because the EU is basically trying to turn off cash completely. Um, you know, probably heading towards is a you know, CBDC, CBDC or probably. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, they just want more control and you know, it's, it's always the, 
security theater of KYC and AML right. and all this nonsense. But um, but Italy is like the one nation that's like, no, we're not going to like just go to zero immediately. Like they, they keep trying to keep the limit higher and it does keep coming down. But, um, you know, they're maybe the one that are pushing back, uh, at least you know, from my opinion. And I think because right. of that, like Bitcoin sort of fits, right? They kind of are like, they get it a little quicker, I think, than a lot of other places. And there are a couple of places in Italy, like there's a place over in uh, Trento Alto Adige that's been a circular economy for years. Um, you know, they've got probably a hundred different merchants that uh, accept Bitcoin over there. Um, so I think it's it's definitely odd. And a lot of people are like, uh, I don't know, what is this magic internet money? But um, at the same right. time, I think culturally, once they get once they get the, you know, once it clicks and they're like, oh, I understand what this thing is and what it, what it isn't, you know, it's not a you mm -hmm. know, crypto trader degen thing. It like it's money, it's cash. Then it all of a sudden is like, oh, OK, now I understand why this might be beneficial. Right. And then on the Noster stuff, are there like concerns around social media? Do they have do they see censorship? Do they see like kind of corruption in kind of the I don't know, election systems? Are there any of the kind of like the popular narratives maybe that at least I'm familiar with in the US? I assume they're kind of popular worldwide. But are those concerns or things that people know about or care about or discuss actively? Um, not really. Uh, and again, this might be more of a function of like where I live and how, how rural it is mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, yeah. you know, whether this stuff comes up a ton. Um, you know, I think like, like everywhere, there's a big concern over big tech and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of data privacy and stuff like that. I mean, the joke in Italy is that you literally have to sign a form, you know, a paper form for data privacy every single time you do anything. <laughs> and so it's, it's almost just a joke. It's just like, oh yeah, here I am signing my privacy away again. Like don't right. even know what I'm signing anymore. Cause I've done it so many times. Um, right. But it, I mean, it is definitely something, you know, in mind, I think more against the big tech angle of things than, uh, than like, you know, uh, censorship or anything like that. Got it. So it's kind of a way to push back against big tech. Is, is yeah. And, and to be honest, it. like, I think, you know, we were talking about this at, at Nostrica a little bit, like to me, the, um, the sort of censorship resistant thing is never the selling point for Noster. Uh, when you're trying to right. like purple pill someone, like you never start there unless they're a deplatformed journalist. And then you're like, oh, okay, right. I've got something <laughs> for you. Um, but like, that's not most people. And so like most of the time, it's much more fun to go, you know, this is like a social media thing that's much smaller. It's not algorithmically driven by some giant mm -hmm. company. And there's this really cool thing where you actually earn real money. You know, you earn Bitcoin by just engaging with people and like just yep. having fun. Um, and most of the time that kind of will pique someone's interest in there. Like what? That seems bizarre, but, but okay, show right. me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That's cool. Yeah. So it's almost kind of touches on that idea of what are the things that people, you know, kind of run towards instead of run away is I think kind of a commonly quoted phrase. And, yeah. um, and I, I think I thought I saw you maybe write a note a few days ago. And I think I've, I've heard like, uh, Pablo talking about this. I think I saw, um, our tour was talking about this, how, uh, you know, instead of trying to think of Noster as trying to win users, think of Noster as trying to win like more developers, you know, kind of, or maybe creators writ large, whether that's, you know, software developers, designers, content creators, you know, whatever, anybody who wants to contribute in a way to like make something that makes Noster better and try to yeah. figure out how to appeal to those people instead of kind of like trying to appeal to you know, kind of somebody who's mostly about consumption or what you might call like an average user. But I wonder if you sort of how you've sort of developed that idea or if you've sort of been talking to other 
other people about that idea and how does that resonate? Yeah, I mean, it totally resonates. I, th- I think I wrote that note uh, just like a couple hours ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's something like I was uh, hanging out with Pablo in Miami last week at the Bitcoin conference. And um, I mean, this is something that we talk about all the time, which is like, how does this develop? How does this build? What's the like, what's the right way uh, or the mm-hmm. the way that allows it to become what we sort of think it wants to be or what we all hope it will be. Um, and I don't think it's a foregone conclusion at all that we get this, you know, open decentralized protocol, you know, going into the future, like it could easily be broken, um, by any number of things. Um, so I think at this point, well, and then I guess the other piece to the question, you know, where did this kind of come from? So I, uh, my first kind of, uh, classic startup experience was working for a company called intercom, um, mm-hmm. which was started kind of, it was back in 2011, I think. Um, I was the fourth employee there. So I was very early and I was there for eight years and we went from, you know, four people to almost 700 people in that time. Um, so it was like classic rocket ship ride. Everything's yeah. up and right. It's all VC funded. Like it was great. Um, and one of the, so the first couple of years I was kind of working more on the customer side of things, but then the last two years I was there, uh, I basically was trying to stand up the intercom app marketplace. And so we had always had APIs, but we were all of a sudden kind of making the shift or, you know, deciding to take the step to go, no, we're going to build an app marketplace on top of, you know, the intercom product. Mm -hmm. And so I worked directly with two product teams on that. Um, And basically the founders were just like, figure out what we need to do. Like, we're not, you know, we're not sure where to go. We're not sure who we want to partner with. We're not sure how to like bootstrap a marketplace. Um, And so I spent a ton of time just digging in on all the details and, um, and trying to understand like what makes marketplaces work and what makes uh, platforms function. Um, and it was, I mean, it's fascinating. Like it's one of the most fun areas, I think, because it's a very like meta mm-hmm. question, right? Like making a product work is one thing, making a, you know, thing that where other people are going to make products work is a totally separate thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and so from, so, from yeah. that experience, yeah, go ahead. That's as I say, like from that experience, that was basically, I, I think the lens that I look at a lot of this stuff through and, and that I think is where we're at with Noster is like, we have a bootstrap problem. We have a chicken and egg problem of, you know, we've got this thing that's pretty straightforward, pretty simple to build on top of. We've got a really core, excited group, you know, using it on a daily basis, but it's still very, very small. Like when you look at the, mm-hmm. you know, high quality in pubs posting stuff on Nostra.band stats and stuff, it it's still low. Like it's a couple thousand people, um, mm-hmm. which I actually think is a benefit right now. Like I don't, I think mm-hmm. that's, not, I would not, I'd be really upset actually if it was still just like hockey sticking up because I'd be like, oh, it's right. screwed. Like there's no way we're going to pull this one out. Um, but the way it is now, I think we have time and a bit of space to sort of, as a smaller community, decide on how we want to go forward, how we like, what are the ideals that we actually are going for? Um, like I saw, you know, Will uh, from Damas today had a note that was like saying, you know, del- we actually don't want relays to uh, handle delete requests. Like that's a bad thing a long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I think that's semi-controversial still. Uh, and I hope we get to a right. point where like, you know, everybody's just in agreement that we're all like, no, actually that that is the right way. And there's some really good mm-hmm. reasons why that's the right way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could see that there's a lot still to be figured out in like, what should it be? Like, we don't just want to recreate the patterns of what the old systems did. We want to kind of redefine what these systems are given their other foundational nature, kind of fundamental nature. Um, but, but I wonder if like, are there hypotheses maybe that you have around what, what kinds of things should be built here to showcase stuff that can really only work here that works better here than it would 
in other places. Like, you know, maybe, maybe there is like a, I don't know, like an open source. I mean, just, I'm just, just, you know, literally making this up as I go along, but like, is there an open source intercom like thing that would actually get more people excited about building more enterprise software and each of them could monetize their own piece, but the backend or the kind of like the, the core software offering is more of an open source thing. And there's like commercial bits around it. Like, is that something that would help kind of usher in more or is it like a, the new consumer product experience that you have in mind that you, Oh, you just wish thing X were built by somebody and then you think it would really take off or how do you think about sort of what, you'd like to see built and what you think has promised at, at helping the Noster ecosystem galvanize? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. Um, and it's funny. I'm kind of laughing there because like Pablo has already built the little chat bot thing. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh yeah, I mean, obviously it was going to be Pablo. Um, which yeah. I mean, amazing that he did that. Uh, you know, I know what is under the hood there. So I know that like the chat bot piece is actually by far the easiest of all the chunks, right. but, um, yeah. all the same. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of different things that uh, are a couple of different ways that I think about this. Like one is there's that axis of like, we need some time and space to figure out as like a builder community. Um, and kind of back to what I was saying before is like, we almost shouldn't be trying to entice new users into the system, the consumer users. We should mm -hmm. be only looking for people who are creators or, you know, builders of some sort. And that that's not just mm -hmm. software that could be designers, PMs, like people that create content or whatever it is. Um but those are the people that sort of get to put the thing together. Um, and then later on, when everybody piles in, you want to have that solid foundation there. So I guess that's one piece. Um, in terms of how I see like products that get built here, I'm like, the, I think the thing I'm most conscious about is like, how do we make this, how do we get this to the point where it's sustainable in a reasonable amount of time? Um, and I think like VC funding goes a long way in this sort of thing because it really just pushes, you know, that death point you know, way out into the future and VCs are happy to be underwater for quite a while. Like they're taking, they're playing a long game. That's how it works. Mm -hmm. And so to a large degree, like VCs and grants are really, really good for getting us through this, uh, this, you know, period in the early days. I wonder how long that can go on. I mean, maybe that's a much longer term thing. Maybe that gets us through like many years. Um, I think it's hard though, like, unless you've got some really high conviction VCs, you know, like you got you and Max doing the investing that you guys do. I think, you know, some of the more standard VCs come in and they're like looking for those like revenue milestones and, and like a specific pattern of things to happen in a certain order. And like, we don't know that at all. We're like, we don't know how we're going right. to build people. Like, it's not like we just are like a SaaS business and everybody knows the model and everybody knows exactly what the curve is going to look like. We're like, eh, I don't know. Can you run a business on zaps? Does that work? Like, are we going to be able to fund anything by that? So I think for now, we need to focus on building tools for ourselves and developer tools to make it easier to build, but also selling to each other, you know, our own built creations and things like that to just better understand, you know, which models are going to work, which are going to break, which ones actually, you know, provide enough revenue. And there'll be, I think in all that experimentation and messing, there'll be a few things that pop out and kind of go, Oh, interesting. You know, like when the first SaaS companies came around, like no one was doing that. And like when one or two of those broke through, everybody kind of clued in and was like, okay, this is a totally new way of thinking about how to charge for software. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think we've got a lot of that to do first, and then we'll get to probably the consumer apps next, um, because it's, it's kind of easier to do a simple, straightforward, really exciting consumer thing. Um, and then the enterprises and things are always the last, right? Like they are the slowest to adopt new technology. They have, you know, big budgets and they're great to sell to, but it really, you mm -hmm. can only get in there once it's pretty mature. Right. 
I've, I've wondered a lot, are there examples of tools that we could use or would use from the outside world that are maybe more one-way reader-like experiences that could be uh, kind of brought to a Noster-focused audience and the conversations around those tools could be, happen on Noster, even if the content isn't de novo built on Noster. So an example, you know, might be, I mean, I guess some of this happens in like YouTube, like if you post a video on YouTube and not in like a Noster.build video format, um, it's kind of outside the ecosystem, but consumable. And, you know, you can get zaps on the note where the YouTube video lives. And that's, it's mm -hmm. a little bit of a clunky connection, but you can imagine those types of connections being smoother or the one that I have been um, proposing. I'm still trying to get, I think, I think Oscar Mary from fountain is interested in this space, which is very close to his product area, but I want to have a, a, a podcast consumption client where I can listen to any podcast. doesn't matter if it's mm -hmm. like knows about Nostra or not just RSS feed, but then I can like push moments from that podcast to Nostra notes with highlights and my additional thoughts on it. So I think there's yeah. experiences that in a sense, don't require all kinds of new content, but require new conversations among us, the people who care about yeah. Noster to emerge around any topics, even if they're stuff that we're not necessarily, they're not like Noster focused topic, like, like we're talking about trail running or hiking. Yeah. Know, those are not Noster topics, but they actually kind of may pique other people's interest or other people might kind of gather and find a home there. So that's, that's like one of my hypotheses yeah. that I, I don't think we've really scratched much of it yet, but that's kind of one of the things I, I'd like to see more of. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, and I think like the reason I went all in on Noster in the first place was just seeing it and like sort of grokking the basics of it and like very quickly getting past the, like, this is just social media. It, it was like, as soon as my brain went over that cliff of like, it's more than social media, it was just like, oh my God, this is literally everything. Like, you know, you right. just kind of go through the list of like all of the most important, you know, consumer companies over the last 25 years. And you're like, replaces it, replaces it, replaces it, yep. repla you know, it's like all of them. Um, and I think because of that and because of that, um, you know, kind of interoperability across the entire stack of all those tools where that was definitely not the case in Web2, um, that just opens up all sorts of stuff that we will, there's no way we could predict what will happen, right? Um, right? Like what you were just describing with the podcast stuff, sounds like highlighter for audio, you know, like yep, what yep. Pablo built with <laughs> for text. And I think those are really, really powerful tools. And like, it's really hard to use them right now. And it's kind of, you have to really squint to like, understand like what this might do in the future. Um, but I totally agree with you. Like, I think this is the time where we should be building as many, I mean, ultra ugly, barely functioning, you know, yep. apps like that for other builders who are going to be, you know, gracious about how broken it is. Um, right. And, but they're still going to pound on it and they're still going to give you solid feedback and they're still going to care enough to, you know, dig in. Um, right. I think that's exactly what we need right now. How do you think about the, I think we're both probably, you know, we could call ourselves purple pills and we're probably big Nostra promoters, uh, you know, probably stuff about the architecture and the structure that's appealing to our worldview or kind of on how technology is developed. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's a bunch of different competing ways that uh, similar ideals are attempting to be served. And so let's say like, you know, I think, I think Mastodon has existed for a long time and I think it's got its flaws and problems. You know, Blue Sky is another approach that's a very different set of assumptions, but like, mm -hmm. you know, aiming after like the same goal. I wonder, are there, you know, are there anything in the others, you know, the non-Noster set of things that are attempting to reach kind of this 
open protocol like goal that that are grabbing your attention or kind of have you know even some some part of your mind share on this to be honest no um and and like i'm i'm the kind of classic early adopter like i love technology just for technology's sake i love to play with new things and and like Mm -hmm. more than i mean i'm like always in the alpha if i can get in and like you know play with stuff i love giving feedback to to product teams and things um Mm -hmm. and and I've never, like, I've seen all of those tools, um, and like played with probably, you know, at least a good chunk, you know, the majority of them and none of them has grabbed my attention the way that Nostra did. And I think it's the difference between, in a lot of cases, and I know there's a few other kind of, I mean, I'm sure Ravel could tell me like two dozen that uh, are a little bit more mm-hmm. like Nostra that I don't know about, but, um, you know, there's the difference between like the cathedral style of building and the bizarre style of building of like, mm-hmm. um, you know, embracing the chaos and letting the emergent properties kind of show themselves. Um, that's kind of the most exciting for me. Uh, and it's, I think if you would ask me this like same kind of thing 10 years ago or something, I would have been like, that's never going to work. Like there's just no <laughs> way that's going to work. Um, oh, so you shifted your beliefs on that. How, how, what caused you to Yeah. Shift? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like working in a classic web two startup where you've got very structured product teams and you've got very top down sort of, you know, uh, the taste is made from the product lead and, you know, right on down, I I think you do get a really good appreciation for how hard it is to build really, really great products. And, Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot, like it's not an easy thing to really get to a place of like a very refined product that feels amazingly easy to use and is valuable and all the rest. Um, but you lose a lot in that, right? Like you are, you know, by necessity, narrowing to the narrowest set of things you can do because you're not that big of a team, you know, in, in some total, you don't have all that much time and you're doing things, you know, to perfection every single time. Um, I think the sort of free market, you know, everybody chips in and, and like everything comes out a little bit, you know, haywire. You're obviously sacrificing some of that perfection, but what you gain is just a much broader range of possible outcomes. And the, right. I, maybe this is me getting older. I don't know, but like mm-hmm. that feels way more important to me now than what we've seen over the last like 15, 20 years, which is just like everything being driven right to the middle. Um, right. And I mean, not, not in the middle in terms of like we're in the middle of this political spectrum or anything like we're getting driven out to the edges, but everybody's getting driven into, you know, very, uh, I guess, very precise, very narrow widths of like what they're allowed to see or believe or think about. Um, right. And so I think it's probably pretty imperative at this point for us to just go, nope, like one, we need to stop as humans just thinking we can control everything. Like mm-hmm. we've been proven wrong on that on like so many different areas, just like give right. up, know that it's going to be a mess <laughs> to some degree, but like get actually that's part of the beauty of it. Yeah, exactly. Get yeah, comfortable, get comfortable with, with, with the chaos. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I've always thought that the centralized, uh, you know, kind of product development process is really good at getting something started because it just like galvanizes all of the resources mm-hmm. needed and kind of prioritizes the top three most important things. But you miss out on the depth and diversity of different, you know, small little niche things that in some total may end up being more important than the core. So if you know, you look at like the Linux operating system has proven to be like the most important operating system in the world. And it's hard to, it's hard to, I think it's hard to do that top down, you know, as Microsoft or to do that as, you know, Sun, you know, used to try to do that. with. Solar I mean, I'd say there's people out there who would probably uh, argue that uh, Linus is pretty top down, but you know, I get your sure, point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely uh, a bigger group of people contributing. 
Yeah. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people who care about the success of it and mm-hmm. can really imbue their own, I guess, perspective on it versus mm-hmm. everything has to be just the one way that he wants it to be. Yeah. Um, and, and the beauty is like everybody is at, uh, at their own, you know, I, I guess you can, at any point you can just fork it and walk away and go, Nope, I want to do it differently, you know? And, and that's awesome. Right. Like that, having that choice and knowing you've got that door, uh, that allows you to just go, Nope, all the stuff I've worked on, I get to take with me and keep working on it in my own direction. Um, and, and you don't right. get that at like a closed tech company. They're like, Here, here's your NDA. Now get out and don't ever, you're like not allowed to work for any competitor now for the next couple of years. Right. But, but your sort of journey, was it just kind of getting older and shifting perspective or was there like a moment where you saw like something magical and you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like this other way that I used to sort of dismiss is actually better. You know, I think it, I mean, this is going to be sound a little bit uh, trite maybe to, to this audience, but like, I, I think it was Bitcoin, right. Um, you know, like seeing a system with no leader, uh, and a system that doesn't have any, I mean, doesn't technically have any one group that has like, you know, mm-hmm. ultimate power over any other group. Um, it's, it's all completely open. It's all completely, um, by choice, uh, and it functions and it functions really, really well. And it continues to function. Um, when you see that and it, and when it goes through multiple waves and, and has attacks from all sides, it, it gives you a lot more faith in the emergent properties of things. And you're like, actually, maybe this, maybe this is a thing. Um, right. you know, whereas before I think I would have been more along the lines of like, that just, that can't work. I just, I couldn't see it. Right. So it sounds like you, you're talking about orange pilling your neighbors and it sounds like you are kind of a, a big believer in Bitcoin and that sort of maybe it was a, a launching off point for your belief in Noster. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, well, yeah, it's some of the same foundations. Like I think at the time when I joined on Noster, like I remember, you know, there were no zaps, like it was everybody pasting lightning invoices into notes and things like that. But there was, mm-hmm. I mean, it was already clear. It was like, you know, the core people were Bitcoiners um, and a lot of the ethos was the same. Uh, so I think, yeah, there's definitely a lot of that there. So when you decided to go all in on Noster, as you've termed it, and I've heard other people use that same phrase, mm. um, how how did you decide that to do that with Noster, but you hadn't previously decided to do that with Bitcoin? Was it like a, a life stage or something about Noster that is kind of more appealing to you to kind of go all in on than to go all in on Bitcoin development? I, yeah, I actually, so I struggled with that actually a lot before I started the the last company I started you know, a couple of years ago. And I, at the time I was kind of like, it was really like, I mean, not quite a coin toss, but it was like, I was sitting there going, okay, I know I really want to, you know, be in Bitcoin. Um, I've worked at sort of more traditional, just like general tech startups for a bunch of years now. I feel like I've learned a ton. Um, and you know, I want to work on something that I actually deeply, deeply care about and like, feel like I could work on for forever. Um, and I think at the time it was kind of this feeling of like, do I make the big, you know, shift to something that is, you know, still like it's technology, but it's quite different technology. Uh, and so the shift mm-hmm. to Bitcoin felt like a pretty big kind of career change, or am I going to try and start my own company? Um, and you know, do kind of a venture funded startup. Um, and the idea that I was pursuing with that company was actually around personal finance and finance. And it was, it was sort of tangentially related to, mm. you know, Bitcoin, but, um, I, you know, I kind of went that direction because it was the, I'd always said, like, if I have an idea where I feel like this is something I could work on for the next, you know, 15 years and be really happy. And I feel like it really needs to exist. Then mm-hmm. that's the thing I know I should go find some funding for and, and try. Um, right. 
And so that's the direction I went. And again, when that sort of was winding down, uh, you know, at the beginning of this year, it was like, okay, uh, well, I guess I know where I'm going next. And so I was kind of poking around and I think that that must be where I kind of bumped into Noster. And then once, like I said, once you go over the cliff and you see how broad it is and, you know, it's connection to Bitcoin, you're kind of going, okay, no, this is like a brand new thing that is, that has got a huge amount of potential. Right. And does all in to you mean like you you want to work on a few different projects to figure out something that would be that kind of 15 year career kind of, you know, gravitas endeavor or you're kind of like exploring, playing and kind of figuring it out? Or how do you how do you think about what what you maybe hope to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, I guess my feeling so. I haven't like gone looking for funding, you know, venture funding or anything for any Nostra projects yet, uh, mostly because I don't have the conviction yet that I've got something that one can be venture scale um, and two, that, that any of us know at all what we're doing. Um, and, right. and I kind of feel like having taken venture money before and like that, that experience, you know, from my side was actually quite positive, even though I had to wind the company down. Um, it, you know, I had a great set of investors who were really supportive and, and great, but I don't take that lightly, right? Like I'm taking money off of somebody and I'm setting that money on fire effectively. Um, like, yes, I'm going to be doing things and hopefully it all turns into an investment, but um, that pays back. But at the same time, like you don't want to take that lightly. And so to me, it's like, I've got the ability uh, right now to take a bit of time and like experiment and play and and just kind of see where things start to evolve. I think as soon as I feel like I go, okay, I can see how this could, you know, if you really like squint hard, you can see how this becomes a really big business, a venture size business. Um, I mean, at that point, I won't be shy about asking for money and, and like trying to pursue it full on. Um, mm -hmm. That said, it might not do that, right? Like I might not end up doing that at all. I might be trying to patch together grants and like some consulting work and other random things just to make sure that I'm still, you know, staying in Noster, but it might take mm -hmm. a lot longer for us to find what those kind of high conviction points are. Right. And so far I've seen, um, I think you did Nostra.how was your first big project. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then, I mean, I basically then, started and created my keys and then went, that was like, I'm technical and that was hard. No one's going to figure right, this out. Right. And I was like, I'll just write a quick little like microsite. Um, right. And so it's, yeah, it's kind of gone on from there, which has been cool. And, and are you still pretty active adding new stuff to it or it kind of lives and has the, the kind of get started content that you wanted? Yeah, I, I'm trying to add more content. Um, it's hard because now I've got too many projects going and and like it's hard to cycle between so many things, uh, you know, problem of choice. But um, no, I'm definitely still adding stuff to it. I think the thing that right now most recently put a ton of effort into getting it so that it can be multilingual. And so now it's in like French, Spanish, Italian and, and English. Um, I'd love to add a bunch more languages there. So kind of mm -hmm. hoping more translators will pop up and, and help me with that. Um, and there's a bunch of guides that I, I also want to work on. Um, I actually, you know, applied for one of the OpenSats grants around kind of mm -hmm. more of an education focused, uh, you know, application, which mm -hmm. I really like that whole education space, you know, like trying yeah. to figure out how to distill stuff into really, you know, simple, straightforward language that helps people get it quickly. Um, and I think there's a ton more we could do with, you know, Noster.how and a bunch of the onboarding of, of new people into Noster. Right. In, in the, you mentioned kind of the open sets, uh, I don't I haven't, I mean, I've heard of it, but I don't know too much about mm. the process. Like, did you, do you write up an application kind of like you're applying to Y Combinator or something or what is sort of the, it's pretty loose. <laughs> like I think there. everybody kind of, I, I would be really curious cause I've only talked to like one or two other people that have put in grants and like, you know, talked in detail about like what they actually put in their, their application. I mean, they had some standard questions that you were answering. Um, 
but there was no like this should be this long or you should have you know this mm. sort of specifics or anything and so there's probably a huge degree of variance in what they got back there mm-hmm. and is it meant to be things that are specifically commercial or specifically things that are non-commercial or just sort of measuring impact in different ways or how how do they think? I don't, I don't know if they think about it in terms of uh, commercial, non-commercial. My understanding was that it was much more for the non-commercial stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. maybe that's not accurate. Um, but I think it's, uh, it's stuff that will benefit the ecosystem around Noster. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, developer tooling, education, in my opinion, I think fits great there. Um, I think there's a lot of different projects that, uh, you know, should get funding from this sort of thing. Cause I think the hardest thing right now is there's a ton of people who are super excited about Noster and, um, you know, I'm very fortunate that I've been able to go, okay, I, I've got a couple months worth of savings here that I can kind of lean back on. Um, mm-hmm. but not everybody gets to do that. And so, um, I, I would really love to see, uh, grants for, you know, designers and people that can just help on a broad range of things, but let them have full time, Mm. you know, time on Noster. Right, right. And are there sets of like educational resources that you would like to see created or that you'd sort of want to create yourself if you had maybe more resources to do it? Like, I don't know. I mean, like, is there like little, I don't know, application, you know, maybe web or Noster based applications that help you go through a learning journey, or maybe there's some sort of, you know, high you know, high media production video content that would really capture people's imagination or storytelling. Like, do do you sort of have in mind specific things that you would like to do with it or you'd like to accomplish? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I think very straightforward, like I think just having uh, really good onboarding tools, um, you know, a really simple app that just kind of step by steps a new user that everybody can just be like, you want to get on an Oster, go here. And, you know, it takes mm-hmm. you three minutes and you get your keys. It like helps you understand how to manage and like what are keys even uh, helps mm-hmm. you get your profile stuff figured out and then gives you the ability to find your people on Noster, Right. Cause I think at the moment it's like you get dumped in and you've got you know, you're following Will and that's it <laughs> if yeah. you start with Damus. And so that's your feed or you come in there and you're like, well, there's a lot of Bitcoiners here and like, I'm not a Bitcoiner yet. I don't, these aren't my people. This doesn't, this feels weird. Um, right. So I think we're getting to the point where we've got a couple teams working on indexers and, and like ways of filtering through content. I think mm-hmm. very soon we're going to have the ability to build a really, really great onboarding tool that, I mean, I hope all the clients do some degree of this, but you know, I think irrespective of what the clients want to do, we should have one simple resource that everybody can just be like, here's where you go to set up your stuff and like get a little bit of learning at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of dovetails nicely into this main topic I wanted to uh, hear from you about. So you've been working on this lister.law, right? Yeah. And in my understanding, and I'd love to just get like ground up, what is a list? You know, how does the, the NIP work? What are the, you know, what are all the details, but can you just tell us like what is what is a list that Lister, I think Lister plays a part in helping people create and manage lists, but lists are like a Noster centric top uh, concept, right? Yeah. So lists are a you know completely Noster native thing. Um, it is just a different kind of event. Um, and I'm, an, I'm blanking on the, the actual number of the NIP now, but it's, you know, there's a couple of kind of standard list types, which, you know, 10,000 and 10,001 are kind of a mute and a pin list, um, which are kind of default, mm-hmm. you know, uh, naming conventions. And then you've got um, parameterized replaceable And events. just to be clear up. Mm-hmm. A mute and a pin, you're talking about uh, one person creating a list 
that they can then say, I want to mute these other accounts. And then that's like a mute list. Is that right? Yeah. So these are kind of interesting uh, types or kinds of events, right? So the kind one is an event where you just send it out and you don't get a choice to edit it later, right? Like it's out and it's gone. Um, your follow list though, and your metadata list and your pin list and your, you know, mute list are all, uh, replaceable, which means that, you know, when you create a new one, you're not editing the one that was already out there. You're just sending a brand new event and saying, Hey, here's the new list. And everybody, all the relays go, okay, we've got it. And in theory, you know, they can just delete all the old ones that they've got. Um, mm -hmm. because really what you want to know is like, what's the latest version of this, you know, list that I've got. And that's the, you know, real one. That's the correct one. Right. Um, and, and that, I mean, this is tricky because that's not, you're not necessarily guaranteed to get that based on which relays you grab from. Right. right. Um, like I had this happen to me today. I was like messing around on Lister and I was like, wait, I removed that thing from that list yesterday. And then I refreshed the page and it must've pulled it from a different relay and mm. poof, the right list came up. And I was like, Ooh, that's yeah, bizarre. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's not even delete because you're not telling him to delete things. You're just saying, this is the real one. You know, this is the latest right, right. one. This is the right one. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's the list event, uh, kind. Um, and so, you know, so you mentioned mute and pin. Yeah. So mute, I think I get, because uh, it's like a list of accounts that I don't want to see things from, presumably. It's accounts, like account. it's accounts or notes. So you can send, you, you can basically put items in those lists that are either people or uh, other, mm -hmm. you know, notes. Um, so you can mute threads or mute notes or you can mute people. Um, you can, I mean, you can do some really wacky stuff. Like you can put lists inside of other lists. Um, mm -hmm. It starts to get a bit uh, strange and I don't think many clients handle that at all. Uh, but mm -hmm. in theory, you can do kind of whatever you want. Uh, this being Noster. And do you, do you typically think of a list as being like this data type that you would use for like consuming, or do you think of it as just like a generalized data type that you use to apply to other consumption lists to like create new views or what, what's sort of the right way to think about the purpose of a list? Yeah. And I guess this is sort of what made me want to build Lister in the first place was that I don't know that I've got a great answer to that question yet. Right. Um, you know, I think to some degree it felt like, okay, we have a curation problem. Like we have a being able to discover things problem. Um, and mm -hmm. You know, if you think back to the early internet, products like Delicious and Dig and stuff like that were how we solved that problem um, before we had these, you know, big tech algorithms and stuff. And so it was it felt very natural to just be like, oh, that's an obvious one. Like, let's just do it and see what happens. Um, and because lists right. are a little different than, you know, uh, the standard kind of primitive you would have gotten in Web 2, you end up with, you know, stuff that can can be done in slightly different ways. And because you know, these are just events and they're, they're out in the open there. It's easy to just like copy someone's list and take it for your own and, you know, modify it right. from there. Uh, and because you can zap everything, you can zap lists and you can comment on lists and you can, you know, have a discussion about them. Um, mm -hmm. so I think the, the interop and the sort of, uh, how these things play together, we're not really sure yet. Uh, and that's, mm -hmm. that is some of the fun of trying to build a list product like this. But, but when you say you have mute lists and pinned lists are two that you mentioned, they, mm -hmm. uh, when I hear those words, to me, they sound like they mean something about how the list should be used. So do they actually have like different functionality or it's just like a metadata tag that explains what the intention of maybe the list creator 
head in mind. Yeah. So, so mutant pin are the two like default types. Um, and to be honest, like when you look at the nip, you're like, this was done when whoever wrote this was thinking about Twitter. <laughs> Cause those are two like very Twitter mm -hmm. concepts, right? You've got your bookmarks list and you've got your mute list. Um, right. What happened after that was that you ended up with, you know, the parameterized replaceable ones where you can give it a name of your own and you can make lists for whatever. Um, mm -hmm. and, and like, to be honest, it would have been smarter just to have gone with the second and left the first out completely. Um, but it's okay. It's just, a, it's part of what we've got. And, and like maybe over time, the clients just stop really paying attention to those two types of lists, the old ones. And we kind of move to, you know, named lists, uh, going forward, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, so I guess the main thing there is those two definitely have kind of a purpose, which is, you know, as you can imagine, mute someone or a thread and, pin this somewhere so I can come back and find it, you know, bookmark it. Um, right. The other two kind of standard numbers that they, that there are is 30,000 and 30,001. And one of those is for people. And one of those is for, is for notes, bookmarks. Um, and so in theory, like I said earlier, you can mix and match notes and people in a list. Um, mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. But in theory, these both have kind of concepts behind them that say this one's for people and this one's for stuff. I see. And is each list, uh, owned by one and only one person or can you collaborate yes. on them in some way uh you who interesting uh i'm just thinking of like uh you can't really that, yeah let's say that um there, you know you and i trusted each other's taste and who to block or yeah. certain keywords that we wanted to block because we just were annoyed by the same stuff or i was like oh yeah. i think jeff has good taste so if i had a client that could say like let me contribute to Jeff's list because he's already got a hundred good mm -hmm. things that he's muted that are the same things I basically want mute. And then I could contribute my own to that. And either like I have some partial authorship on it, but, or, or you, you sort of grant or award me some partial authorship on it, but then I can use it and I can contribute to it and you can use it and contribute to it. I mean, it almost seems like a get like concept where you're the maintainer of the list. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's like an interesting, it's an interesting idea. Cause I, I, I think there would have to, to be something that. in the middle, right? I think there would have to be something in the middle there because you you know, with an, an Austria event, only one key can sign an event. Uh, we don't have the concept of like mm -hmm. a multi-sig, uh, type setup. And so, I mean, that could happen in the future for sure. Um, and we could have events where you need to have two people sign a certain type of event before it actually is valid. Um, so I guess you can imagine a way where that could work, but for right now, no, I think the best you could do would be, um, you know, one, I could say like merge this list into my list. Um, right. and we would just basically deduplicate and, and put them together. Um, and so you can imagine like ways to automate that, but again, you're sort of managing your own list and then, mm -hmm. uh, copy pasting effectively. Right. Yeah. So I guess the composability is the best way to do that today versus any kind of like actual joint ownership or multi-sig sounds messy. yeah i mean look i guess like one way that lister could solve this is just to keep a um i mean we could have a database like this is what's so cool about like uh building on nostr like you don't have a back end like there just is no right, back end yeah. you just are like yep it's just a website and it pulls all the data like live in in that second um and you can cache stuff in the browser if you want or you don't have to um mm -hmm. but if we wanted to i could stand up a really simple database and you know you could just have like a, a simple list primitive and you could have lists where you would invite other pub keys in to work on them with you and that would not be a nostr native thing until somebody went yeah publish this to you know publish right. this as me publish this as me or you know and everybody would get the ability to sort of deploy the list as they wanted whenever they wanted 
Right. If you were to propose something like that with some of the most involved uh, Nostra developers, do you think, are people generally like averse, like, oh, if you're going to do a database, then you're obviously like centralizing and doing something that's inconsistent with the principles or would people say, oh yeah, it's like a nice pragmatic way to get things going. Uh, I bet you'd get both sides of that argument. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I think you'd probably end up with both. Uh, I I guess like it doesn't feel, it feels minimally centralizing in the sense that, um, and, and like, this is one thing that I, I guess have a lot of, I've put a lot of thought into and I still don't have a good answer for, but like it, it's not mm-hmm. clear to me what this does to business. Like if this, I mean, imagine we're insanely successful and this really does like replace a ton of the internet, like mm-hmm. businesses that like we lose all the capture points, right? Like web two is built on this premise of right. like you own the thing, you get the choke point and then you can monetize like crazy. And it is always not in every case, but like it often followed sort of a log trend in terms of uh, you know, it was winner take most. And then there would be like two or three other players and that was it. And then everybody else was yep. super teeny. Um, we don't want that anymore. Like that's sort of what, that's what Nostra tries to fix. Um, and if that wins to me, it looks like, you know, hundreds of thousands of much smaller businesses, you know, that are sustainable, profitable, earning money, but not employing thousands of people and not having, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of valuations, um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, billions in revenue. Um, and when I think like that, I kind of go, okay, one, that's a future I'm down for. That's great. That'd be awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, but two, you know, where do you draw the line? Like some, some centralization in terms of like having a database or like a backend makes total sense. And it's just like simplifies the process and, you know, and those things that you really can't do with just a simple Nostra primitive. Um, and so to some degree, I kind of go, I think I'm in the middle on that argument and I, you know, I can definitely see it. And I, I understand in places where you're like, I can see how that would centralize. We definitely don't want that. Um, you know, like I really don't like the fact that we've got just a handful of very large relays right now. Uh, right. and then a lot of very small ones. I think we really need to break that up. And and like, I would love to see topic and geography based relays. I would love to see just a lot more relays. Um, but in things like this, where it's like, no, it's just to give like a bit of extra functionality. And then it, it basically distills back to a Nostra primitive in the end. I think right. that's totally fine. Yeah, it also seems like if you had one that was getting very big, it's almost like the centralization of running the database version helps you quickly move on what the thing should be. But then if it got a lot of traction, it could be sort of built into a NIP later. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, I actually I agree with that, that completely. It necessarily has to get stuck as a database. So maybe database is the way to do like, hey, I'm going to prototype the NIP, but I don't, I'm not going to convince a relay operator to integrate it and two clients and try to have this whole discussion. I'm just going to like set up a database, prove that this thing is useful. And then if it turns out to be useful, I really like, oh, that's great. Thanks for showing us that that's useful. Now we're going to decentralize it kind of as step two, right? Yeah. And probably that actually can always be done. Yeah. That's a great model. I mean, I love that. Like, I think that that fits perfectly. Yeah. So yeah, so hopefully, it, I, I'm always one for like so I guess some tomorrow I'm building a database. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just one for like pragmatism to like get to the learning faster, even if it means it violates some of the underpinnings because the learning is more valuable. And as long as it doesn't create a control point that cannot be pushed out later, like I think get the learning fast, um, you know, as long as you don't do it with a control point and then 
you know, and then you can sort of like decentralize it later, as long as, as long as it's done in a way that you could imagine can be decentralized later. You're not like, you know, rooting yeah. through a website and collecting email addresses to try to right. like control, you know, important part of right. know, the system. But um, yeah, like one of the things yeah. that I think um, um, I, I've talked to a bunch of folks in kind of peer to peer trading platforms and stuff recently. And, and like one of the things that has really, uh, I guess, clicked for me in the last, you know, last six months, but really in the last like, you know, four has, has been the fact that like data is now not like, you know, for years they were like data is the new oil and like everybody wants to, right. I think data is actually now a liability, um, you know, and like <laughs> businesses are almost better off not having any, any customer data at all, if they can help yep. it, you know, and right, it's like, we provide right. a service, people pay us for that service and we don't know who they are, uh, yep. because it really is getting kind of, you know, it's frightening with, uh, you know, how much control and, and kind of surveillance most governments want these days. And so it, I think business is now getting to the point where it's like, you know what, we're fine without this. Like we, we can build something that functions here uh, without it all. Right, right, right. Yeah, I agree. It's, it, it's a little bit of like a pendulum swing. And so we, we swung, what is it like when businesses try to, you know, you know, data is the new oil and business try to control the whole thing and then let the yeah. pendulum swing the other direction and try it with like, nobody owns anything and it's just like all flows freely like water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. To the, uh, the appropriate place. Um, so, you know, back on the list stuff, I think one of the points you were making is that, uh, you wanted to make it easier to onboard people to Noster. Mm -hmm. And to me, lists feel like it's really closely in service of that purpose. So is that kind of, is that the angle you come at it from or, or sort of, were you looking at lists outside of kind of the onboarding experience? Yeah, that's definitely one of the main angles there. Um, for me, I, I think again, as well, like if we don't have algorithms, people want to find, you know, like there is a natural sort of, you know, shake out of like who the tastemakers are in different areas, right? Like, you know, you've got your friend who, if you want to know about certain types of music, you go to that person and, you know, just give me your playlists. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just a natural human thing. And so it feels really simple and, and familiar and straightforward to go to a, you know, an app like Lister, kind of look through people. Um, and, you know, soon i think search on nostr is really hard right now but like i'm really hoping to get to the point where i can do a lot more um you know search and like just kind of falling through the the pile of lists that are out there um because right. right now it's like it's very hard to sort of just kind of bump your way through and like find stuff um you really need to know what you're looking for um but i think it's a great way to discover new stuff i think it's a great way to find uh you know, new types of people or new bubbles within, you know, the Nostra ecosystem. Like I spent a little bit of time today, actually, just like a simple one, kind of jumping around through Primal on that sidebar where they're like the people in this conversation yeah. and then like other stuff that's been, you know, trending and just going, I want to mm -hmm. follow a bunch of new people. Like it's been a while since I've added a ton of new people to my list and this, these like, let's go see what's there. And it was kind of fun. Just, right. I mean, literally poking around, clicking kind of three layers in and then backing up and going back down another rabbit hole. And, right. you know, I think Lister will be a great product for that. Cause you'll be able to go into lists. You'll be able to flip in and see the feed for all the people in that list to see like, Hey, does this look like an interesting feed? This person keeps coming up and they keep saying cool stuff. Let me follow them. Um, but it'll feel natural and so, feel so familiar, almost, I think. Yeah, that almost sounds like a, a new structure for assembling a list, which is almost like an auto-generated list. 
Yes. And that's like another thing that, uh, again, like once you've got kind of index, uh, the ability to index large volumes of Nostr data, you've got a much simpler way to start grouping that stuff, you know? And I think the mm -hmm. just class of basic classifiers and stuff will do a great job here where it's just like, Hey, show me a bunch of people, um, that show me the, you know, show me 20 people who, talk about this topic and and sort the list by so it only give me the top 20 based on zap amounts like that's totally right. possible it's not even hard um yep. and so those are you know auto lists smart lists or whatever you want to call them right and, yeah. and you were talking about lists as people come to lister to do the management but how much of lister do you imagine is or should be kind of plugged into existing clients versus kind of having people direct nav to the lister.lol site? I guess it very much depends on what the client is doing, right? Um, you know, for something like, like Amethyst, I think has a really good kind of drop down already where you can select one of your other lists and it'll, you know, populate the feed from, from that list. Um, I think all clients will have something like that. And it doesn't make sense to me for Amethyst or Damus or whatever to have like a big list management, you know, pile of the product. It just adds a lot more surface area to the product and doesn't, it's not really the core like use case. Um, so I think for some situations, it'll make much more sense to just link people out and let them manage it somewhere else. Um, I think in other apps though, it could very much be something where it's like, Hey, you know, we do actually need people to manage these things here. Um, or, you know, for whatever reason, and we'd rather just kind of plug in bits and pieces of this. Right. If you talk to people, or I guess you must be familiar with this concept that has been floating around around the, the all these micro apps and kind of stitching together purpose specific apps kind of within broader app ecosystems or kind of apps as we have them today. Mm -hmm. um, is, is, is Lister not somewhat of a micro app that focuses on like the management of lists that could live in lots of places? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess if I pared it way down uh, and, and, you know, worked really hard on like the design and making sure it could fit in a ton of different, you know, windows and sizes and all the rest. Um, yeah. It could easily be almost a plugin for whatever app that wanted to deal with lists. Um, and, and that, you know, going back to the initial idea of like, how do you build a platform? You know, a lot of the tools that exist on, you know, the Zendesk platform or the intercom platform or, you know, uh, any of those big, big tech, you know, company platforms, they are basically plugins. You know, you're just adding a tiny bit of functionality that's really valuable for some group. Um, I guess the problem there is what's the thing you're plugging into? Uh, because mm -hmm. if you think about it from a plugin point of view, you're basically saying someone's the central point that we're plugging into here. Um, and without that, it, it, the micro app, like trying to stitch all the micro apps together in a way that is like really user-friendly is really hard. Um, and, and I think- I'm wondering if there's a yeah. simple step one, which is, I don't know if you've already talked to a lot of the client developers about potentially integrating like, a micro app version of Lister, but is that, mm -hmm. is that a discussion you've had that hasn't been received well, or is it just something you haven't really brought up yet? No, I talked with actually, um, Vitor when I was in from Amethyst, when I was in Miami last week and, uh, and we talked a little bit about lists and stuff and he was like, this is awesome. I don't have to build it. I don't have to think about it. And he's like, I'm totally happy to leave the yeah. users to go like find and deal with it in another spot. Um, you know, like we're, uh, reading and interaction and like, you know, social platform. Um, and yeah. so, you know, I think, there's a spectrum there though. Like, you know, again, like I said, there'll be probably some that want to do it, but I think from like for the main social apps right now, I don't think it makes any sense. It doesn't make sense for them to integrate your list management. You're saying? 
Yeah, because basically, again, lists are the thing that's, you know, identifiable and, and totally native to the system. And so they can use those lists um, and right. they don't have to think about building all the software around it or even plugging it into the product. Because, again, like I don't like even if you think about people who are really big into lists on Twitter, like I wonder how many people I'd love to see the data on this, actually. I wonder how many people actually manage lists from their phone. Um, like, can you even do that? I'm not even sure. Um hmm. So I've seen this in a lot of different products where like the mobile app or the thing that you're going to be using is very streamlined for like one purpose. And maybe you've got a desktop client or something that does a lot more, uh, or maybe there's like another interface to it. And, And I think I would bet more probably on the fact that people's behavior will change to just use different apps for different things. Um, instead of trying to cram it all into one thing. So I, I, I was, proposing an idea which i guess is i think um fiat uh shared a thing called have you heard of keister keister no it's i think it's kind of like a a little hack or prototype thing um maybe maybe kieran maybe i saw kieran's name on it but i think Mm. um there was this idea of like should an app really like the the app at the app layer really be like a key management system and then everything downstream from key management could be composed of micro apps that do their specific function so like you could pull in some code to make you know like uh like list management is one mm-hmm. thing you could do and then you pull in another thing which is like profile viewing and then you maybe pull in another app which is like you know feed rendering or something where yeah. and, and you can move it all out of one into the next because it's just kind of key management with this orchestration of micro apps yeah in which case like you can do the list stuff really well and other people can do other parts really well. Yeah. Do you find that kind of thing like possible or is it just too crazy? Well, that's the browser though, right? I mean, that's kind of what your browser is. Like if you use Albi, it's your key management system. And then you just point it at all these apps that are out there and, and use it. And, and I think it takes a little while for new users to sort of get their head around the fact that like, you know, you're signing in with your, all your same data and all your same notes and all your same events and like access to all those things and the ability to zap in the same way across all these things. Um, but once you get used to it, it, it's all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this is really powerful. This is really easy. And never have to think about you know, logins. I never have to think about any of that nonsense. I'm connected to this wallet, um, that I can use anywhere and everywhere. Uh, and all the data is totally interoperable between all these systems. Um, that's already an enormous leap forward from where we are currently. Uh, and so to some degree, I'm like, who's going to build the Nostra browser? Um, right. And like, and like literally not do any of the stuff that's old school internet, um, where you just right. like open up, you know, whatever the browser is called. I hope it doesn't end in ST. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, that'll be an interesting one. And like, I wouldn't be too surprised if like someone like Albie didn't try to do that. Right. Cause it would be neat to, cause everybody's always talking about how DNS is, is like kind of a weird centralizing thing and how we, we kind of don't right. want to get into that too much this might be one way to do it right like if you had some sort of address system that was nostra native all of a sudden you kind of are able to step outside and go yeah i've got my old browser and now i've got my nostra browser and my nostra browser manages my keys safely manages my funds safely and allows me to Mm -hmm. connect everything and and like you can imagine weird use cases where you're like drag and drop between lister and damus uh like in the same window because you could just pull them up side by side Right. Well, and, and I wonder, I wonder if part of the reason we haven't seen like Albi do it yet is because nobody's built all the micro apps for them to orchestrate. So mm-hmm. today, today we have everybody building effectively like social networking micro or social networking apps at the mobile app 
layer of kind of, yep. you know, that sort of uh, purview or sort of that window, that granularity. And I think this like Albi type of app, if Albi were to be one to build one, and I think, you know, you, you could have dozens or thousands of these, Yeah. but, um, but Albi would be maybe a credible contender because they actually have key management as core to what they do. But Nobody's built like the way to onboard without other UI or the way to view a feed without other UI or how to view a profile without, you know, yeah. like the kind of isolated components that could then be orchestrated into an experience. Yeah. So that's it, actually me, something that's Pablo, the lister yeah. thing could be really valuable. Yeah, that's true. And, and like one thing that, uh, Pablo and I've been talking about a bunch and, and like, we're definitely going to do, is just a matter of how, how do we get through all the other things first, um, is, right. uh, you know, like NDK, you know, in his mind, and, and I'm totally with him on this, like we need a developer toolkit that helps maintain the decentralization because um, mm -hmm. the trend is it's too easy to centralize. So like we actually have to do work to stay on the decentralized end. Um, right. There's a bunch of other stuff that kind of layers on top of that. Right. So like the NDK is like the very low level, like how do you make programming easier? How do you make building apps easier? UI components. And so, you know, you can imagine like really basic unstyled UI components for every, you know, Nostra primitive out there that are available for a bunch of different, you know, modern frameworks. And so just as simple as being so able like to go like native, like Swift and JavaScript or TypeScript yep. or whatever. Yep, exactly. Or even more like, Hey, this one's for Svelte. Uh, this one's for, you know, React. This one's for, you know, a bunch of mm -hmm. stuff that's for the browser. Um, but yeah, for the, mm -hmm. the mobile ones, you'd have those native ones. Um, but yeah, you know, if you had that, you'd be able to say, okay, I need a like avatar. And like, you just like drag and drop this thing in and like change the styling yeah. a little bit to fit whatever you want to do. Uh, I need a threaded, you know, feed boom. And like everybody's building the exact same thing yeah, on yeah. the exact same primitives right now. And like, they work a little differently because everybody implemented <laughs> it a little differently, but like, it'd be great if we were just like, Hey, all you new developers that want to build something, here's your Legos, like go, go to town. Yeah. Like it's so easy. Um, yeah. And you know, some of that depends on the really low level stuff, like being able to cache stuff in the browser without having to think mm -hmm. about it too much or having the data and the same, you know, kind of coming back to the, uh, to these UI components in the same format. Um, and so, you know, you got to start with one to get to the next, but I yeah. totally see that being kind of how we bring developers and builders in on mass is like, this is the best, you know, most simple way to build apps with, you don't have to have a backend and you automatically get access to, you know, thousands and thousands of users on day one. Yeah. And you've got all of the rest of the funding components, except the one feature idea you want, which you can just build that one thing. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you don't yeah, need to exactly. build a new feed experience just because you have a better idea for how you think a profile should work. Right. You know, exactly. Example. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so this lister thing though, one of the things that um, I think is interesting about it is that it, it should help a new user get zero to one started and engaged with good content quickly, but unless mm -hmm. it has integration points where people are showing up, like unless it shows up in like a, you know, popular apps like Thomas or Amethyst or others, mm -hmm. it, it kind of needs to get very early visibility with users so that within wherever they're showing up, they can just see the, Oh, just show me the world according to Jeff's view. And that's actually yeah. like, oh, okay, it's good enough. And I'd also like to add this person or I want to clone this list and do something different with it. Those are almost like steps you could graduate to, but it seems like the core is just like, show me something good instead of show yeah. me just, you know, some one default user or something, right? Yeah. So yeah, for sure. How do we, how do we get there? Is that? Yeah. So I guess my 
My initial thought there uh, so far is I think we need a really good onboarding client sort of thing um, that is totally on its own. Um, and there was I'm like, I always blank on the name, but, uh, there was a, there was a guy who built, and I think he won the hackathon from Nostrica or whatever, with this like really beautiful site for like helping people do their profiles. I think it's like Nost me or right. Nostra me or something. Nosta, Nosta.me or something. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's I something like that. Nosta.me. I think that's right. So, um, Nosta.me. Yep. Yeah. So in any case, like that's a really great tool. Um, and I think it's, yeah. uh, but it sort of stopped short oh, in the beautiful. sense of if you haven't played with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, worth, it's, it's really good. Playing with it it's just like the design is just so beautiful. Yeah. It's really fun. Um, and, and like whether it's work with whoever built that and like extend that, I think that we need a much more fully featured, uh, very gen- general onboarding, you know, flow for people. Like I was saying before, like you could just point all new users to this thing and you're like, it's going to take you five minutes and you're going to have everything set up and be ready to go. Um, and mm-hmm. I think a big part of that is that last step, which is what we, which Nasta doesn't do currently. Um, but using pieces of Lister, you would very easily be able to do, which is, okay, go from, you know, you've got, uh, your, you know, profile, you, oh, you get your keys, you make your profile, you get your photo. Um, you learn a little bit along that path and then you land in the last screen, which is like, tell us some stuff you're interested about. And we just start throwing, you know, lists of people up to you and, and you can just clone them in one click or grab people individually out of them. And you kind of do that three or four times where it's like, okay, tell me something else you're interested in. All right, let's do this one more time. And once you've done that two or three times, you've probably got a list of, you know, 30, 40 people you're following. And um, then it's like the last screen is probably like, all right, where do you want to, where are you going to use this? Like uh, iOS, Android, web, like here's your options, pick a client, go play with it. All you have to do is click log in and your key is going to work. Um, yep. And I think by sort of tightly coupling all the steps at the beginning that way, um, you can really just give users the, you know, the feeling of a manicured web two experience that they're used to, but then they get to the end and they kind of understand why it's different and how it's different and like what that allows. And then you just kind of walk away. You're like, well, you're not my user anymore. You're everybody's user. Right. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, so not, not set up me as one kind of entry point for that. And then you were talking mm-hmm. about, you mentioned NDK a little bit. I think I just went on it this morning and is it like under maintenance? Are you guys launching something new? I think it was, Oh, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. I've been working on the docs forever. Um, and it's, it's just a lot of stuff. It's like constantly moving because the code underneath is constantly changing. So the idea is we're hoping to get kind of a standalone NDK docs site up, um, that is mostly built. Uh, and I mean, if anybody wants to contribute on that, I'm more than happy to take the help. Um, but that's mm-hmm. like step zero, you know, both Pablo and I are really excited to go beyond that and build sort of a Noster how for developers where it's got really great guides on like, here's how to build your first Noster app. Like here's a very simple, easy to follow kind of step-by-step tutorial or, you know, make great content for developers. Um, I think mm-hmm. the high end of this is like, what if we could build a, like a replit like product yeah. that was Noster native that sat yep. there and actually walked people through pieces of the docs and like help them understand how things, you know, work, how they changed. Um, so there's a lot of, again, like, how do you attract the builders? You give them, you know, really great tools and, and really easy entry points. Um, and you help them get to, uh, like a successful outcome very quickly. You know, if you can make something say hello world in the first 30 seconds, um, yep. you're in, right? Yeah. I, I wonder, um, you mentioned kind of a, a replit like experience, which, which is exciting, but I wonder like, could you even just have it 
on Replit as a centralized service, but like help people get started building a Noster based app, even on that, like what would it take to get there? And is that part of what you want to do with NDK or is that kind of a little farther afield? Um, I mean, I actually was thinking about this today and like trying to write a doc um, after having a conversation with Artur um, from Noster Band the other day. And it was like, I kind of went, you know what, we need to be not quite so, especially with the content and the education side of things, we need to not be Noster native um, specifically, because like if we're just mm -hmm. doing everything on Noster and talking about Noster to Noster people already, like we're not bringing anybody <laughs> new in. Um, so we need people right. to make YouTube videos and to make, you know, stuff on other platforms and to talk about Noster on Twitter and on LinkedIn and on TikTok and all the, you know, all the platforms where people are. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think kind of back to our database conversation. Great. Like if it's already built and we can build something out on Replit real quick, let's do it. And then that way, at least, you know, we load up in DK, we show people how it works. Uh, they get it much faster. And then, okay, if that really takes off, like maybe that's actually a product we could build Nostra native. Mm -hmm. Are there types of kind of educational content that you could suggest uh, you'd like somebody to do, but you're not working on like you know, kind of a request for content? <laughs> I mean, a lot. Uh, like, I guess, you know, on the specifically developer side of things, um, you yeah. know, all of those types of tutorials. Well, I mean, on the developer side of things, let's start with the easiest one. Like, it's just a lot of content to get all of the NDK stuff into a docs site uh, and make sure that that docs site is like clean and clear and, and you know, functions well. Um, beyond that, we need just you know, simple guides, step-by-step, step, like here's a blog post where it goes one, two, three, four, five, how to, you know, build a really simple, you know, website that allows for signing in even something simple, mm -hmm. then turn that into an, a replet guide. And then, you know, make a YouTube video of walking through that replic guide, you know, and talking about it and like giving people a little bit more depth. So I think it's honestly, it's like a question of what do we need to do? And then how many times can we reuse it across a bunch of different surfaces and, and change it for the, you know, nature of the medium where you're going to publish it. But, um, I think it's a matter of just going somebody who's really prolific building out content. Uh, yeah. Like I would, I was thinking about this today. I was like, we need a Noster marketing department. That's like a decentralized, <laughs> you know, marketing department of people that sort of are, you know, covering the bases and talking to each other. So they're not going over the same thing over and over again. But, um, I think that would be really powerful. Right. I almost wonder if the, you know, if, if, you and Pablo were to just screen share and hit record, you know, hop on Riverside or something, screen share, yeah. hit record and just struggle through getting like a hello world set up and then just click publish. And it doesn't have to be super edited or produced. I wonder if that would actually be a big, I mean, today we're kind of at zero for this kind of content you're mm -hmm. talking about, or, you know, roughly rounds to zero. I wonder if even that would be like a super big unlock to just like, Hey, I don't know if you've seen the ones that Andre Karpathy has done. He's done a bunch of great, like how to train a GPT. He's just like made a bunch. Oh, of I haven't seen those. These. Yeah. Yeah. There's a really nice intro. You should check them out. Cause they're like, okay. I think in the same flavor. Um, and he, he just like does screen sharing and here I'm coding something and, he, but he shows you how to sort of build these skills up from basically from scratch. Um, cool. and I think he just started publishing these, I don't know, like, you know, maybe six months ago or, you know, kind of recently and they're like really popular. Um, cause cool. I think a lot of people are interested in those topics. So I, I could almost see like you, you or you and Pablo, whatever you're already doing, just like if you're trying to build out the, you know, the NDK content, instead of polishing it first, just screen share and do stuff. And then get the video out and then see, you know, title it well and and yeah. probably people will come in and learn about it.
we we've definitely talked about it um like that exact idea we were like we should just screen share and like have a conversation and like code some shit and like you know talk about it and see what happens um i, I think we should like uh, we don't have no excuses um we should just do that we did do a noster nests there a couple of weeks back uh on ndk and mm -hmm. it was um it was just like an early hey here's what ndk is like you know please check it out like if you have questions about it come and, and ask questions um i think it was good you know, like I was kind of pushing Pablo, like take the first 10 or 15 minutes and like tell people your philosophy of like why this needs to exist, because um, I don't think everybody necessarily gets to that thought immediately um, when they think about like, oh, it's just developer kit. But like there is a philosophy behind like why this matters and like why it really needs to be yep. there. Um, and so you know, he did that. And then we just did questions and it was great. Like people had really interesting questions and wanted to, you know, kind of hear more about certain aspects of it or, you know, how stuff worked. So yeah, I think the visual visual is, is kind of always better, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. And I think, I think you're probably uh, cautious because you want it to be better than it. You know, you want the production quality to be high, but I think like just having the content out there will help people, you know, and yeah, then you can sort yeah. of increase production value later if you get really excited about it or you, you get annoyed by like, oh, I wish I wasn't saying um so much or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you cut, yeah, it's totally true. Cut it later. <laughs> um, but yeah, if there's anything I can help with, if, if you want to sit down and teach me how to make Hello World, I can be your uh, rubber ducky. <laughs> Yeah, that might actually be fun. And now that you're like mentioning this, you're like pushing me on and I'm like, all right, maybe I'll just take a bit of time tomorrow and just sit down and try to go like half an hour. Because, I mean, you can do, I mean, you can get to like the basic hello world with uh, NDK and just a simple website in a couple of minutes. Like it's not a, a hard process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be fun to learn. Um, let's see. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. It's just, sorry. The, uh, the video just cut out for a moment. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I know we're kind of, uh, kind of at the end of the time we have reserved here and we got to probably wrap soon. Um, just wanted to check, are there, are there other kind of topics or areas of interest that, you know, we didn't talk about that we should be learning about, about you and your work? Hmm. No, I don't think so. I mean, the main things I'm really focused on now are, are at the moment are, you know, Nostra.how, uh, helping out on the NDK stuff as much as I can and like making sure that, uh, that gets used a lot more. Um, and, and obviously Lister, uh, I think Lister is where I get to scratch the kind of programming itch a lot more. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the content stuff it, that is kind of, I think has been kind of a pattern across my entire career so far. It's like, how do I take really technical stuff and make it approachable and easy for people that are much less technical? Um, I really enjoy that. Uh, I really enjoy the kind of interaction with, you know, the, the people that are coming at this with fresh eyes and like hearing that feedback and, uh, and that sort of thing. I also really like to build stuff. Um, I'm in no way close to like the league of, you know, someone like Pablo, but, um, you know, I hack my way through it and, uh, you know, I'm learning a ton as I go, which has been great fun. So I yeah. think it's, uh, it's sort of like the perfect balance. It's like, okay, I spend some time doing, you know, these educational things. I spend some time just headphones on hacking away and it, you know, sort of gives me the, the flip back and forth that I need. Yeah. That's great. All right. Well, I, uh, I want to thank you for making the time to come and hang today and, uh, and congrats on all the progress. And I hope, uh, I mean, it feels like there's just going to be so much changing week by week and, and, uh, yeah, I want to keep in touch on all of it. So, so keep me looped in as, as new things are happening and love to keep the conversations going. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, yeah, thanks so much.